You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hi folks, and welcome to episode 55 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast. This is the show for March 2018, and I'm your host, Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today, I have a fabulous panel, as always, uh, stretched over both sides of the Atlantic Ocean this month. Um, let me see, first uh, we have Nick Riley from the UK back with us again. Hi Nick. Hi Bart, yeah, it's good to be back. Glad we could coordinate Doris. It's been a while, actually, yeah, um, because this is your first time recording on Discord, so that tells me it's been at least three months. Yeah, yes, it must be. Yeah, it's just, you know, it's just the way it works. Life, life gets in the way, doesn't it? Well, that's it, and, you know, there's so many people to line up, it's, yeah. I'm always amazed I managed to get a panel together at all, to be honest, because it's so hard to line people's schedules up. But anyway, it's not just us two. Um, from not a million miles away from you, you're also joined by the wonderful Gazmaz, also in the UK, from the MyMac podcast. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. And um, yes, I'm, I'm overdosing on chocolate, probably a little <laughs> bit too much at the moment. <laughs> Hands up anyone who has not done that. I, I woke up this morning with a chocolate migraine. It's like, I wonder how that happened on the, sec- on the day after Easter. <laughs> I haven't had any chocolates at all. Well what? done. <laughs> that makes two of us. No, that, no, that's not. That's not strictly true. I was given a piece in church. In <laughs> church, very small And that uh, that last voice you heard there is uh, Linda Goucher back with us from the Silicon Valley Mac Users Group. Hi, Linda. Hello, Bart and Nick and Gazmaz. Good to be with you all. What's with the no chocolate? Is this like a health thing, or do you well, just not like chocolate? No, um, we didn't do a lot of Easter celebration. We were doing some other things. And um, I did, actually, I lied. I did have one piece of chocolate, but it was just coincidental. My husband pulled it out of the cupboard last night. So <laughs> so not it's not a religious thing or anything like that. We have plenty of chocolate in the cupboard. I, we just didn't munch on much yesterday. Ah. You know, it's really strange, but I've never really liked Easter egg chocolate. I don't know what it is about I'm, it. Yeah, I'm not really sure that it's the Easter chocolate is that religious is it if we're oh, no, we better not religious at all we better not go down that route <laughs> I, I, I'm pretty sure there was no mention of it at any point during the passion story <laughs> oh dear vinegar oh, dear. I remember Brilliant. being mentioned crucifixion definitely played a significant role palms were involved but at no point yeah, was the fruit no of the cocoa bean anywhere in the equation <laughs> Anyway, let's talk about the Apple news for March 2018. Um, Before we get stuck into the main stories, uh, just some notable numbers um, crossed my radar. Uh, The first is a scientific health study has confirmed that the Apple Watch, which doesn't technically have a sensor designed to do this, can nonetheless indirectly with a 97% accuracy detect abnormal heart rhythms which again shows the potential value of this device in literally saving people's lives. I'm I just amazed at how medically accurate this thing is proving to be, even though that's not really what it's being sold for. Yeah, I've got um, a couple comments about that, if I may. Yes, um, please. We actually met, my husband and I met on a cruise, a Canadian couple, 
And uh, the man was a big Apple fan and had an Apple watch. And the way he said it, not not a very technical guy at all, Mm. but he basically said uh, the Apple watch had told him he was having a heart attack. And that was his his wording. Mm -hmm. And um, he he said, well, gee, I don't feel that bad, a little bit off, maybe, but not that bad. And then thought about it a little bit and said, well, I'll go to the hospital anyway, Uh, went to the hospital. And he was, in fact, having a mild heart attack. Oh, wow. Um, So he was very, you know, appreciative of the fact that uh, damage, any, you know, even a mild heart attack can cause some damage. And so he was very happy that uh, that had happened. And I've heard of at least one other situation where that was, but I didn't speak to that other person directly. Um, So that was kind of interesting. I've had, you know, I know about that situation Uh, because there is a... um, a setting that will will say uh, let the Apple Watch notify you if you're having abnormal. Yes. I, that's not how it's worded. I've forgotten the exact wording, but people who have Apple Watches can check the setting. Um, at the same time, though, when I am exercising and I'm getting some outside noise here, I apologize I say, for is, that. Is that a very low flying airplane, or is someone doing some yard work? They're doing yard work outside, and I don't have a way to control that i apologize i'm sure they'll type. i'm sure the, the grass will cease to be long or whatever will cease to be whatever it is <laughs> sorry um but in my own situation when exercising the apple watch will occasionally give me readings that i know have to be wrong um yesterday on the treadmill uh where i'm slightly out of breath it's giving me a reading of 70 beats per minute and i'm in good shape but i'm not in that good a shape no, I so, have found that in the, if the band isn't correct, isn't just right, you can get overly low reading sometimes. Um, I find that for whatever reason, cold weather does it. So, which is really, really uh, annoying. So, I'm out cycling. The weather is absolutely awful. I'm suffering massively, and the watch tells me I'm burning no calories because it's misreading my heart rate as like seventy. And then all I do is I just I, so I, I keep the heart rate displayed in my workout app, and I just literally just break the contact with the skin, just move the watch left, right, up, down, move the watch in any way whatsoever, it'll recalibrate itself, and within about 40 seconds, you'll have an accurate heart reading again, and it'll pick up, it'll continue properly for the next half hour or so, at least, if not more. That's my experience okay. anyway. Basically, if it does that, just readjust it. It's, it's, whether it's a, the vein it's reading, it's, I don't, whether, I don't know exactly how. It somehow it gets disconnected or something. So it's not quite, it's not yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, but you have to be careful because they, they cannot account for every situation, you know, right. uh, humidity, um, how much you're sweating, a person sweating, yeah. the actual position on the too. hand, how. how... Oh, so, you, you disappeared patience. there for a sec, guys. Can you just say that Sorry. again? Um, uh, basically, all sorts of configurations can be changed by, um, you know, position on the hand, um, if you're sweating profusely, uh, atmosphere, all sorts of difference. Um, and, and Apple haven't said, and they're not selling it, as you said, Bart, that the, this is a, uh, um, you know, a, 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 such an accurate uh, device to check your heart. But people are finding, as you said, that it is really good at measuring in uh, air quotes, normal conditions, uh, things like your heart rate. And the yeah. thing is, it has support for external heart rate monitors. So if you're a serious sports yeah. person, it will connect over Bluetooth to a proper heart rate monitor, which can, which will then work for you within the normal um, workouts app. <clears throat> so if you're serious you about exercise, you, you would buy a chest strap. Yes, you would. 
Uh, and then have the Apple Watch use the chest strap as its source of information instead of its little green LED. Because that green LED is reading your heart rate rather indirectly. It's shining a certain colour of light into your arm where it's trying to see a vein and then watch that vein expand and contract. And if, you know, for whatever chance of fluke, there isn't a vein expanding and contracting within its line of sight or whatever, it's going to read inaccurately. Or if the watch is pressing too hard, it'll stop the veins from Mm. bouncing quite right. Or if the contact isn't strong enough, it won't see the veins. I mean, it is... The fact that it's as accurate as it is is kind of impressive. Yeah. But it's not perfect. So is that is that definitely how it's working? Yes. Do we yeah. know that for sure? Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes. That, that's what you can literally see the green LED if you lift up your arm. I'd be surprised that they're not using the microphone. I would have thought that it would be able to hear it. Uh, I don't think you can hear it as accurately not. as you can see it. So the the colour of the green is chosen because it will it, it boosts the contrast of blood vessels. So it's a specific right. green laser that's beamed into your arm. And I've mm-hmm. uh, just looked it up under the on the My Watch app mm-hmm. under Heart Rate. The setting says receive a notification when Apple Watch detects a heart rate that rises to above 110 uh, beats per minute while you appear to have been inactive for 10 minutes. So it would it lets you know and then it will give you a notification and you can turn that on or off. Yeah, and as I say, it's quite smart about it because my heart rate is quite often above 110 while exercising. And the app doesn't give me any sort of a ooga ooga because the app is like, yeah, I know you're exercising. You know, this is fine. This is normal. Um, So it's because I've had that turned on since it came out in the latest version of watchOS and it hasn't given me any, any, any warnings or anything. Any false alarms? Me too. Me too. And I also, you know, I exercise quite a lot. I do spinning and I'm on the treadmill and I'm at, yeah, so I do quite a lot. I spin on a bike that moves. (laughs) I know. Mine stays still. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I just, you know, I I keep being amazed. And there was a study we talked about, it must be six months ago now, where, um, Researchers at an American university compared the accuracy of different uh, fitness bands and the Apple Watch came out head and shoulders above the rest in terms of its quality. Uh, But they did note that nothing, no wrist-worn device beats a chest strap ever because that is is the Rolls-Royce of heart rate measurement is a chest strap and always will be. Yeah. And I think you also get the bonus with the chest strap that it can measure respiration as well, giving you even better health data. So. Someday I'll buy unfortunately, unfortunately, I don't think they'll ever get the um, the blood pressure. Um, I don't think they'll ever be able to do that because my doctor told me that they can't. You can't get an accurate reading from your wrist. You can't. No, and I know people sell them, but they're all they're, they're, like, I mean, they'll give you a ballpark. So yes, if yeah, you're wildly like, hypertensive, you know, if you're wildly hypertensive, they will notice. Um, uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's all about calibration and walking, watching uh, trends over time, isn't it? That's that's what you've got to do. You've not got to take if for things like that. It's less the accuracy and watch the trend that's happening um, to give yeah. you an indication. I yeah, because if, if you use the same monitor that's wrong by the same amount, that's still yep. generally speaking good enough. So yeah, yeah, if it can be consistently incorrect, then <laughs> yeah, because at the end yeah. of the day, what you're yeah. hoping for is depending on where you are in your health journey, you're either hoping for a particular trend or yep. level, Absolutely. you know, for it to be flat. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and if you if if you could rely on one reading, uh, I'd be in real trouble because my, my heart rate goes up whenever I measure it. Well, there is not, there's not not quite post syndrome, isn't it? Is, isn't that what yes. it's called? Not yep. just the yep. doctor, even when I do it. <laughs> oh, I remember I have to, when... I have when to my... take it several times and average it. 
Uh, my my, I have a, a really nice Bluetooth monitor or Bluetooth based blood pressure monitor from Withings or now Nokia, and mm-hmm. it has a feature where you can put it in an automatic mode that will just do three. Oh, that's a good idea. And then um, you can sort of I, not look I at it, turn away, yeah, pretend. I, I, well, I once had to have a twenty-four hour measure. I've had to do that um, twice. It's horrible. And uh, the, I, I actually went back to the nurse. She said, how did you find it? I said, it was like taking an A-level all day long. I was waiting <laughs> for it to do its next reading, and I could feel my blood pressure actually rising as it, as oh, it no. was going. So I said, you can do what you like with those readings because I'm not going to trust one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I found horrific was trying to sleep with the down thing because – yeah. Yeah, every every hour you'd be woken up, and then you know, say, oh, apparently your blood pressure didn't go down at night. No, because you kept <laughs> squeezing my arm. <laughs> anyway, um, anyone anyone else have anything to to chime in on this story? Yeah, I just think this is this is the area that Apple would really like to, uh, I think, get even more information going through because it just it just ties you into their their products, doesn't it? And and that's a good thing. That's a good thing if people can see trends and things over time, as long as they don't, you know, yes, you'll get the odd reading that Linda's uh, come up with and, you know, where people say it actually almost saved my, you know, saved my life, air quotes, but actually uh, it's a more general device to be able to see general trends of what's happening to health and if, uh, if it can do more and check more, uh, great. Absolutely great. Yeah. And, you know, every little bit of data you have sort of tracking, you know, even if it's just how many steps you're doing, it's all very helpful if you want to take a, make a proactive change because we humans are so good at lying to ourselves. You really do need some sort of cold, hard facts staring you undeniably in the face. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And not only that, I mean, the when doctors have more access to even more information it means that they can make better decisions because making decisions based upon something you might tell them is actually quite a (laughs) you know at the moment you have to have lots and lots of tests for things but perhaps in the future we'll have to have fewer tests because we'll actually have more data to work with in the first place oh that's good that would be nice yeah it would be very nice actually yeah we'll see (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it, it's a regular feature of my visits to the, to the doctor's office um, where I will just break out the health app and, yes. you know, we have a little show and tell how things are going. You know, how, how do you think your health is going at the moment? Out comes the app. Well, here's the, you know, here's the graph of my blood pressure since I last saw you six months ago. Here's the graph of my my resting heart rate. Here's the graph of my weight. And it just makes life easier because, again, the, you know, the doctor will always take his own measurement, but he can only see a snapshot whereas you know with the help of of this kind of health tracking stuff he can he can see a lot more than a snapshot yeah cool okay um the next notable number that caught my eye um Horace de Dieu from Asimco did a bit of mathematics which he's known to do it's literally his job <laughs> um but Tim Cook in the last earnings call sort of offhandedly said how many Apple devices are currently in use and that's not a number Apple generally share. It's not in any of the tables and stuff they hand out. So it was it was verbally said on the call, and um, Horace sort of went, oh, I've, I've been curious, I presume is what he said to himself, because that's exactly the kind of thing that analysts love to, to hear. And so based on that number, he did a little bit of derivation, um, and he has determined, and he has the graph to back it up, 
that right now, at this minute in time, the number there are more than half of all Apple devices ever sold are currently active. Because the growth in the number of devices is outpacing the retirement of devices. So there are more active devices, more than half the devices ever sold are turned on right now, this second. Which is just, ah, that's cool. That can't include all Macs and all Apple Yes, it does. It it really does, Linda. Really? Remember how few Macs are sold. Like every quarter, there's a thousand times less Macs sold than iPhones. Right. Right, but I'm just thinking it goes. That goes back to the 70s. That right, seems... but the Mac number now is thousands of times higher than it was in the 70s, and the Mac number now is thousands of times smaller than the iPhone number. So yeah, the, I, the like, Mac didn't orders of magnitude on the iPhone are just. It is literally the most successful product in the history of products. Okay, yeah, the Mac itself was 80, in the 80s, but that's that's I'm being persnickety. <laughs> <laughs> right, true, 1984 to be exact. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, okay. It's, you know, I mean, it sort of bends the brain a little, but the the graph sort of, you know, when you look back at the graph, you you sort of realize that, oh, right, the numbers really, really have absolutely exponentially ballooned. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Not only that, I mean, I I look around. I mean, I have an iPhone 7 now. Mm. Um, And... At work, I think they're still giving out successes. They would uh, because be, they're you they're, know, the, yeah, they're the dirt cheap ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And actually, sorry, I got my number wrong. It's not half. It's two out of every three Apple devices ever sold is still in use, which is even more yeah. impressive. Okay, folks, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to edit this together, but we had a bit of a, a di- bit of a Discord breakdown. Discord got a bit discordant, um, and we lost Gaz halfway through his, I'm sure, highly intelligent point. I think the last thing I had said was that it was two-thirds, two out of every three devices, not half. And then Gaz said something that we never got to hear. So over to you, Gaz. I'm not sure I can remember what he was always saying, if I'm honest. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it may come back to me. Carry on, carry on. I, I think, to be honest, I think we were sort of wrapping up the topic. Nick. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think I do think it is just absolutely incredible numbers that they've got that many in use. It's just, I mean, it just goes to show how uh, how long and people when they talk about total cost of ownership with Apple devices, mm. this is a sort of thing that you know you could just throw at somebody. And uh, we still have a 2011 Air, which is starting to slow down, uh, admittedly, but it's a seven-year-old laptop. How many seven, how many laptops mm. last seven years? And it's not been treated nicely. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it's it's been treated with um, Discord. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, uh, and it, it really it really has been given a bit of a hammering, but it's still working fine. It's just slowing down because of its well, because of its age. It's probably needs a bit of a refresh. But yeah, great numbers. Yeah. Okay, um, the next section I have in the show notes is Apple personnel changes. And to be honest, there was a while a few months back where there were staff comings and goings all the time. And I'm sure there's still people coming and going, but nothing too high profile. Uh, But we do have one definite bit of high profile news. Um, We we have been told that Jimmy Iovine is stepping back from a day to day role in Apple Music and transitioning to a consulting role. And he is doing so this August. Um, 
I'm not really sure what to read into that. I'm not entirely <laughs> sure what stage of life the chap is at. This may just simply be a case of I literally want to spend more time with my family or maybe things aren't working out quite as well as they could be. But then again, it's been a long time since Apple took over Beats. So if it was, you know, it's not a discrete six months kind of thing. Like, So I don't think it's, it's an, I don't think there's any reason to assume it's because there's some sort of terrible evil I'm, conflict no i must admit when i heard this news I, I i thought right okay what does this mean let's get let's hear what the news is and everybody said well pretty much what you just said she's going that's it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe he's just a bit bored who knows well we don't know, and I don't think the story will will ever come out until he writes a book at some point in his future. Or someone does, right? He's age sixty five, actually, which means it's probably not a coincidence. That's sort of a that's one of those landmark ages, isn't it? Yeah, possibly, yeah. possibly. Oh, but it was his birthday be, recently. He's, he's still going to be a consultant, so he'll 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 still you know be about. Yeah, so his birthday sure. is March eleventh, so he he had a birthday this month. Happy birthday! And that's around about the time the story broke. Ah, okay, this all makes much more sense now. Someone retirement. just turned 65 and basically went, it's time to reevaluate what I'm doing with myself. Okay, yeah, okay, so there's there's very little here, really, isn't there? Moving on. Moving on, right, let's yes. get stuck into the main stories because, let's face it, it's been a pretty darn busy month. Uh, so the first thing I want to talk about is Apple's field trip, as it's sort of been nicknamed, or I think their their invitation was, let's go on a field trip or something. Uh, which is an education event Apple held. And the reason they called it a field trip was because they literally went to a school. Um, so they didn't do it in on their campus in their new Steve Jobs Theater. They actually went to a school and they had an education event, which was very heavily focused on the actual act of educating. And despite having telegrammed it in every possible way that it would be an education event, People had managed to convince themselves that they were going to announce new Macs and all sorts of things and were highly disappointed that the education event was all about educating people. (laughs) But anyway, leaving that aside, we shall not go down that silly rabbit hole. Uh, So let me just quickly run down what Apple shared with us all. Um, So we got, we did get one piece, well, we got three pieces of new hardware in one way. Uh, So we got a new 9.7 inch iPad with pencil support starting at uh, $329 for regular folks and $299 for education folks, which is pretty good price. And uh, the education folks are also getting a discount on the pencils to go with those new iPads, which they can get for $89. Then Apple went on to do something I don't think I've ever seen Apple do before. Apple used their keynote to announce to the world someone else's product. Uh, They launched two products from Logitech. Uh, The first of them is the so-called Crayon, which is a stylus that is like the Apple Pencil in all ways but two. So the Crayon does not have the ability to sense pressure. And the reason it doesn't have the ability to sense pressure is because it doesn't pair over Bluetooth. Which means that the second big difference is any Crayon will work on any iPad instantly. So if you're in a school environment, you can literally have a bucket of crayons at the front of the room. Every kid can grab a crayon and can immediately start writing on their screen. And any teacher can use their crayon to write on any student's screen. So you losing the pressure sensitivity is obviously not as good for drawing, but losing the fact that you have to pair is very good for an awful lot of things that happen in a classroom. So swings and roundabouts. And the other nice advantage of it being a simpler device is that its price tag is $49, which is 
half the regular price of a pencil and a little bit more than half the education price of a pencil. Uh, and then they also announced, also from Logitech, the Rugged Combo Case, which is a kid-proof external keyboard for the iPad. It's called a Rugged Combo Case because it looks like you could use it to club someone to death with. It is also <laughs> the dog ugliest thing I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> but its role in life is not to be pretty. Its role in life is to protect iPads from being abused. So, you know, that's probably a good design. Uh now, something that has made a lot of people very cranky in the education sector is that managed iCloud accounts, you literally, with no amount of money, can you upgrade them. There is no mechanism to buy more storage for a managed iCloud account, and they were five piddlingly small gigabytes. Well, you still can't spend any money to make them bigger, but you're probably much less tempted to now because each of them has just become two hundred gigabytes in size so a 20x uh growth rate or no not 20x 40x yeah something like that i'm terrible at maths off the top of my head but a very substantial upgrade for sure and apple are also continuing to improve their apple school manager cloud app as well as the matching classroom app which allows you to create managed apple ids and all that kind of thing and then the iWork apps have all gotten updates to support the pencil and also the crayon, obviously. And they have a beta version of something Apple are calling Smart Annotation, which allows you to use the pencil or the crayon to to draw on your iWork documents. And as you edit the document, your annotations intelligently move with the content they were initially attached to. Um, so it's in theory, that should make it a very pleasant experience. Um, second to finally then um, Apple third to finally Apple also announced Schoolwork which is a new cloud teaching app uh, and a matching API called ClassKit so think of Schoolwork as being a bit like a learning management system like Moodle or something or Canvas or Blackboard or whatever people are using these days and ClassKit is an API that allows apps to effectively provide links to activities in such a way that a teacher can use the classroom app to set an assignment which is actually an activity inside an app so the teacher can say everyone please do the quiz at the end of such and such a thing in such and such an app and so the api makes it possible to do that kind of deep linking into the apps in an educational context um and then apple also announced a new curriculum everyone can create which is inspired by their everyone can code And then finally, finally, Apple have done a great big redesign of their Apple and Education homepage, um, which is not a surprise given what they've just released. So there we go. That was was all the big news from the event. And there were lots of um, people involved in education on stage. And every non-Apple invitee was female, which was very nice to Mm -hmm. see. So what did I'm curious what everyone else thought before I give my my two cents. Anyone feel inspired to jump in? What what I don't what I don't know mm-hmm. um and I can't tell from this is is this competitive? It uh, uh, I believe that a lot of schools use Chromebooks. In America um, certainly um in in Ireland Chromebooks are not popular because Privacy is valued more, and Google is just not in the ball game. So basically, Microsoft are are, are, like Office three six five is huge here, but that's 
cloud-based. Right. Isn't I, I have no idea what happens in UK schools either because I have no children, so I don't. I just yes. don't know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what I'd be interested in most, I suppose, is have they made a half-hearted play at getting uh, school things um I, I would say this is... or, or are they making a genuine effort at it and I don't, I don't know I'll tell you I'll tell you how I see it and then you can tell me how you want to interpret it because this is a very much half glass half full or glass half empty statement <laughs> Apple have made a wholehearted and genuinely effective effort at catching up yes yeah. <laughs> yeah I I've I've I really, when this came out, I thought, right, this is a school event. I'm not going to take any interest in it because I've got no kids anymore and it's over in America and it's for them to do the business. Mm -hmm. Fine. We know they've always had a good history in the past of doing stuff with schools. Um, Why are they doing this now? Exactly to your point, it's probably to catch up because I'm hearing an awful lot of podcasts talking about um, Google getting into schools. Mm -hmm. And I've heard good things from other podcasts about what they're trying to do with the software, not such good things of what they're trying to do with the hardware. It still needs to come down. Um, It it depends on the school a lot, actually. Um, Absolutely. There's very very mixed views on that. Yeah, mixed views, but they're say, what they're saying is if they really want to get it into, you know, the the lower level schools, i.e. The, the poorer schools, then this isn't going to cut it, um, even though it could probably in the long term save them money. That's, that's a debatable point. Um, the software, some of the software is really good, but when it comes to the cloud uh, space that they're giving – they're really, really trying to play catch up there. So, to a degree, I think on most things, I agree with your statement. Um, what, and but and one one thing that I, I found interesting was, did they bring a British school teacher over? Yes, um, they did. To do, which yes. I, again, I, I found well, it's not odd, but I did find <laughs> it. You know, bringing a, a British school teacher over into a, a, a very much American event. Was, but it wasn't an American event, guys. There's nothing American well, about what they offered. Okay, so if they want to, if they want to start pushing this into other countries, then I hope, because I don't know, that they're going to be presumably following up with a lot of local um, education well, systems. Okay, so I am in the education sector, and I can tell you they already have been for quite some years now following up. I, I know for a fact they have a person in Ireland liaising with schools on behalf of Apple, because I have indirectly met that person. I met... I, I deal with the person who deals with the Apple person. Okay, so I can't I can't talk about the UK because I don't know. But I would be well, shocked if Ireland got one and the UK didn't. Like Ireland doesn't get anything the UK doesn't get as well like, from Apple. Gaz, Gaz, speaking as an American citizen, I will tell you that the UK is considered one of our best friends. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you think about Apple rolling stuff out, right, it's the UK, Germany and France get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 I get all of that, but I don't see I, in in the UK. I don't see, and my wife's worked in the education uh, system in the UK. I don't see a lot of iPads at the sort of lessons that they were talking about, which I've heard because I've not actually watched the video. And they were talking, seemingly aiming at the lower level schools, not the secondary. I don't know. Well, they're aiming at them all. No, no, like Apple are aiming at them all. I, I mean, I work at the university level, and yeah, Apple yeah, aimed at us too. I mean, it, it's... was the event doing that? 
I did watch it and I didn't particularly think it was aimed at any age group. It was like the, the problems you face in a classroom are the same, right? You have, I mean, the big problem to be solved and this, is sharing and this is one iPad think, between many and th- people and they solve that. And I think, this, I think this is where that software kicks in, that back-end software. Yeah. That, oh, yes. That, yeah. And the yeah, thing and is, I, right, that's where they're playing catch-up, right? Because right. with Office 365... You don't even have to do anything. You basically, well, okay, you have to do a little bit. You basically connect your on-premise Active Directory to your Office 365 Active Directory in the cloud, and ta-da, all of your students now have accounts in the cloud. With Google, you you upload a CSV file, ta-da, all of your students have uh, accounts in the cloud. And what the big announcement today is that it's much easier now to create your, you know, to bulk create accounts. And you heard gormless podcasters going, wow, this is amazing. Apple are really taking the lead. It's like, nope. No, 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 no. This is the most basic of playing catch-up you could possibly imagine. But it's really important catch-up for them to play. Um, like Those managed Apple IDs are absolutely vital, and those managed Apple IDs, have the, they make it possible for one iPad to be shared between many students, and they are very, very good about protecting student privacy, extremely good. Um, it's fantastic that your personal Apple ID and your managed Apple ID are utterly disconnected from each other. Cool. I think so, in the end, so, in the end, it's going sorry. to come down to cost. It always is going to well, come TCO, down to cost though, schools. It, it has to be TCO, and so you have to look at the bigger picture. In ter- so it swings and roundabouts, <laughs> well, right? I'm, I'm, no, no. But it, let me I'm let me like, explain though, because it is it is important to understand <laughs> that Apple is not behind everywhere. They are behind on some things. They are way ahead on other things. So they're clearly behind on the price of raw hardware. But when you compare what you get for your money, they're not behind. Because if you want uh, uh, an equivalent spec machine... No, no, but let yeah, me... I'm... Right, so that's the bit everyone knows about, is that Apple have an uphill challenge <laughs> with the hardware pricing. But where Apple are way ahead of the curve on is the app ecosystem. So a lot of schools really like the, educa- the very large range of educational software available on iOS, and that's not there in the Android store. So they are prepared to swallow higher prices of hardware in exchange for having these way better apps. So it is swings and roundabouts and has been all along. Just just um, for some larger business context, um, <clears throat> historically, Apple has done very well in education. But there was also a time, and I remember it really clearly, when Dell uh, stepped in and was doing exceedingly well and was really beating Apple in that field. I don't know and why I, you're I using actually, past I, tense. Well, no, well, let me let me finish. Let me you'll catch it in just a second. Let me finish. Um, I remember very clearly um, Steve Jobs saying at one of the, uh, I believe it was one of the annual meetings. He just said basically about Dell. He says they are doing a good job. Shortly after Ooh. that, say I'm saying shortly, say maybe one or two years, because these are you know, big time frames. Mm-hmm. Um, Apple's percentage started to go right back up again. And I think they were at that point then beating Dell. So it goes back, it, it, it bounces all around. Um, Google, the Chromebooks are a new entrant. I, I, everyone that I am hearing or every commentator I've heard is basically saying, well, Apple can't match it on budgets and education works on budget. Therefore this, uh, this event will have essentially no impact. And I hear you Bart, you know, arguing that that's not necessarily the case. I would just say, you know, everybody says that regardless. Everybody, I remember again, Steve Ballmer coming back and saying, nobody's going to pay $500 for a phone, right? So, and then Apple somehow manages always to do well. 
So I, I have to suspend judgment on this. I have not, I do not have much expertise in the field of education currently anyway. Mm. Um, so, so I don't know whether, you know, I also have no kids and I don't know whether uh, Apple's going to do well based on this event or not, but I would not take the conventional wisdom. I think I, I personally, I would take a wait and see attitude because Apple has a way of somehow managing to, to maintain their higher prices in a lot of contexts and still do very, very well. So, yeah. What I can definitely say with confidence is that the points Apple addressed were actual pain points that were making people in education actually cranky. Whether they did enough or not, I can't comment on. But the things they addressed were the right things to address. Okay. Yes. Well, that's good. Yes, and I'd agree with that. In the same way as when they introduced copy and paste on the uh, original <laughs> iPhone. That was some <laughs> low-hanging fruit, huh? It certainly was. Um, it still got a big cheer, though. <laughs> when it it happened, did, yeah. Probably out, probably out of, you know, just sheer relief. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I but that. no, I mean, you know, the things they do here, they did here, made make sense. And from someone who works in education, they were resonating. They were saying exactly the things that people were hoping to hear in the education world. You know, maybe they would have liked to hear them, you know, shout a little louder. But it wasn't that they were saying the wrong things and they were complete clangers, right? This wasn't like when Steve Jobs said that web apps are fantastic and the way forward, right? No one in the room took him seriously. It was not one of those events. Okay. Sorry, guys. I was just going to say, I, I, it's definitely split um, uh, observations, in certainly in the podcast world, but I, I, mm. I think overall, I think I've got to agree with um, your initial assessment that uh, there's a certain amount of catch-up being, being done, which means that I'll ask the question, just to be devil's mm-hmm. advocate, does yes. that mean they took their eye off the ball? In my opinion, yes. Mm. The apple can't walk and chew gum. <laughs> they can't. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean that's not good. But it, it, right, it's 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 the price they pay for the for being so different, right? Every other company, you just do it all in parallel and there's no one looking at the big picture and you just end up with a whole bunch of companies with independent islands. And Apple doesn't do that. But on the other hand, it seems it can only drive forward in one area at a time. And so the other stuff doesn't go backwards. It just doesn't go forwards. And it's not good, but at the same time, it's kind of the price they pay for all the cool stuff they do do. So I'm not sure if they can have their cake and eat it, just to mix a few more cliches into this sentence. Um, but no, they they very much their stop-start sort of thing. Like they, I remember the eMac, when there was an education version of the iMac, it was, that really, really helped in the Irish education sector. And then it all sort of went a bit quiet. And then we had a big education event, was it three years ago now at this stage? And that all looked very interesting. And then it all went quiet. And today, we or this week, we again had a, a pretty impressive education event. It, probably much more so than the one three years ago, to be honest. All right. And if this is a trend, I'm really liking it. But if we don't hear anything for another three years, then this is nowhere near enough. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I do like the uh, all the new shapes in pages because I use pages for doing the church magazine. So, ah. yeah, it's got lots and lots of. In, in, um, it's a little bit like all the. Um, um, oh, little smileys and things. What are they called? Clip art. 
Emoticons. Yeah. yeah, emoticons. It's a little bit emoticons. like having millions uh-huh. of those. It's, well, uh, the other thing I'm looking forward to playing with in Keynote is you can now use a stylus to draw and you can have as an animation you drawing it. Oh, right. Okay. That's cool. Which would be a really, it should be a nice way to make your slides a bit more fun and engaging. So I'm looking forward to playing with that when I next have an excuse to present something with a diagram. <laughs> okay. Um, unless anyone has any final points to throw in, um, I, oh, I just realized my show notes are slightly incomplete. Does anyone know what version of Mac OS we just released? Because <laughs> in my show notes, it's Mac OS 13 oh. point question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. 13, 4. That sounds plausible. Um, I'll double check before I publish the notes. Anyway, the story is that Apple updated all of their operating systems. And in some cases, that was a substantial update. In other cases, not so much. Uh, Really, the biggest change was in iOS, where this felt... They didn't call it, like, iOS 11.5, but I think they probably should have. It's officially 11.3. Because this feels... Like a talk, you know, like maybe the TikTok cycle has gone from being a two year to every year we have a big tick in September with a big event and all that kind of stuff. And then we have a talk in spring, which is kind of Microsoft's model, right? You have the autumn event and the spring event and the autumn event and the spring event. But this really, really felt like um, a major OS update Um, for iOS anyway. The Mac, not so much. The watch OS teeny a little bit of nice stuff um and also their cloud service has got a lot of love so let me let me just quickly run through the big stuff and then we can have a conversation around it so ios like i say is what the big stuff was the promised battery health page is now real and live and so we can all see how our batteries are doing and if we decide to we can turn off the feature to stop our phones crashing uh the health records feature has arrived so this is a mechanism for storing your test results and stuff along with your fitness data all together in the health app again going back to the whole ability to present to have in your control a pane of glass with all of your health data that you can then present to all of the medical professionals you encounter um it's kind of nice to have that in your control mm. AR kit has gone to 1.5 so it can now deal with sticking things to virtual surfaces and other stuff like that um, there's also a software update for the HomePod included as part of iOS 11.3. So the HomePod is sort of being treated a bit like the Apple Watch in the sense that you update your HomePod via the Home app in iOS. So like you update the Apple Watch via the Watch app in iOS. So it's a similar sort of model. Uh, Watch OS then, the only really big new feature that I could see is uh, control of HomePod from your wrist, which could be useful. Uh, And then in terms of the cloudy stuff, um, iCloud Business Chat has gone live, which means that corporations can have a corporate iChat presence and they can do so in a way that doesn't involve people having to give away their privacy to have a chat with a corporation in the way that signing up to Facebook to chat to Hoover or whatever would involve doing. So that kind of is an advantage in my opinion. And then HomeKit has had a change, which I don't even think it made it into the release notes, but it's actually a very substantial change. Initially, for security reasons, Apple insisted that all HomeKit certified devices do encryption. And the way they ensured that is by making them all use a certain chip, which did that encryption. Now, Apple haven't removed the requirement for security and encryption, but they have allowed you to choose between a physical hardware chip and a software implementation of that same cryptography. Um, So you can now have software-based authentication, it's called. So effectively, you can now do the job of the chip in software, which means that 
it become the barrier to entry for HomeKit certification has gone down. And in theory, assuming your devices have sufficient CPU oomph, uh, you can retrofit HomeKit support into older devices now because you don't need a hardware change, just a software change. So that, that's what caught my eye. Anything catch anyone else's eye before we we dig in any deeper? Um, just I just want to. Well, maybe I am digging in deeper. No, I don't no, deeper. Know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, the HomeKit change is of interest to me. I'm just wondering how many uh, manufacturers out there will allow you. You know, will update their software in such a way that older devices can be updated. I know, think to, it's going to be quite few. For the simple yeah. reason that they're generally CPU constrained, these smart devices, uh, like how much brain power is there in a bulb? Okay. There's also, I mean, I don't don't see an economic incentive for them to do that. It's like, oh no, buy a new one, yeah. right? But what, the effect I think it'll have is that you're going to see, it's going to become easier for new devices to, to be HomeKit compatible. And yeah. that is a good thing for the future of the platform, but I don't think it's going to result in many devices going back in time and, you know, suddenly gaining support they didn't have before, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. Um, TVOS uh, on the Apple TV seems to have helped uh, my watching some of the videos that I've created uh, on uh-huh. the Apple TV and keeping in our iCloud. Uh, on this week, um, I mentioned uh, on the MyMac podcast that I'd been having some problems watching some of the videos and I was going to change some of them because I'd uploaded them as .movs mm-hmm. um, bec- and they didn't seem to be wanting to be watched on the Apple TV, whereas any movie that I took uh, with the iPhone would play quite easily. However, since the update, those MOVs, although still stutter at the start very briefly, they do now play. So whether mm. there's uh, other stuff that's been going, well, I'm sure there's must been be codec going, updates then, yeah, back. possibly, possibly, yes. Interesting. Well, I mean, I guess it is still. You know, it's you know, every time they say it fixes a bunch of bugs and a bunch of security issues. That's you know, we still want those, even if they aren't nearly as much Absolutely. fun as having a whole new, <laughs> you know, health records API or. Yes. You know, battery health screen or whatever. But yeah, they're they're still important. So, okay. Um, I I think I sort of expressed my my opinions already, which is basically I think it's great to see Apple do such a big update, not on the point of a version upgrade. That this didn't have to wait for iOS 12 is nice. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of good improvements. It did. Um, right. Okay. Am I am I seeing something here that's happening, or is it, is this me just trying to see something okay. which isn't actually? Go on. Let's let's so, put the old tinfoil hat on here. Off okay. you go. <laughs> so it used to be that we we'd get an update split between iOS and macOS oh. and some of the others, and now we're seemingly getting lots of. Um, updates altogether. Now, that would make complete and utter sense because there's a lot more integration between each of these devices. And if you there update you one thing, you often have to update something else and something else, something else, which makes actually being on their platform possibly very dangerous if they don't get one of those updates right. And that is the down, that is the potential danger, but the potential advantage is very, very real. It's the fact that it is the most well-integrated ecosystem you can possibly find because it's much more difficult for your Android phone and your Windows computer to integrate with each other because of the amount of different players involved. Whereas handoff and stuff, it's black. It's it's like black magic. It's, you know, 
any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic sort of territory. It's it's it, every time I copy and paste from my laptop to my desktop without even trying, without even doing anything actively, I just kind of go, oh wow, I'm and in some sort no, of weird no. future world. Yeah. They do open themselves up, that, that, or we have to be aware as Apple fans that they do open themselves up to if something goes wrong, the whole world then suddenly knows about it very quickly. Um, if it's if, if there's one hiccup in that in that chain, so they do have to make sure they get it all right. Which you know, not all companies are perfect, and it's going to happen, but they are pretty good at getting them corrected and fixed fairly quickly. So, yeah, and it, was it last month that they announced the? Um the move to focus less on new features for the next go around and more on cleaning up cruft, shall we say? An- announce is a strong word. Leaked to the media would be a Leaked. more accurate description, Leaked. but yes. Okay. The content is exactly how you, how you described. Yeah. So, yeah, Which maybe that's good. part of it. Yeah. yeah. And I think what we're heading... Like, there's different models of doing software. There's different ways of thinking about it. And one of the big mm. dangers is that you have these very, very major milestones, which put huge pressure yeah. from management onto developers to deliver at a given time. Yeah. And an approach that's becoming very popular is that you have rolling small cycles. So Firefox do this. Every six weeks, there's a new version of Firefox. So if your feature isn't quite ready, no pressure. Six weeks yeah. from now, you can roll it out. Um, Moodle, the learning platform we use at work, isn't on a six-week rolling cycle. It's on a six-month rolling cycle. But for for that kind of software, it makes sense that you would never change mid-semester anyway. So to be honest, there only are two possible points in any year where they could where people could roll, and that's the Christmas break and the summer break. So it makes sense that Moodle rolls every six months, and it has completely changed what it's like to be a Moodle user because instead of upgrades being these evil things of doom that cause sysadmins and lecturers and everyone no end of trouble as everything changes all at once. We now have this mm-hmm. drip, drip of new functionality, which is just nice because no one is ever completely bamboozled. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to see Apple moving more towards that slowly, slowly catchy monkey approach, I think is nice. I mean, we've come an awful long way from where we were 10 years ago where we might go two or more years between macOS releases, and then you have these big keynotes where they tell us about the 150 new features to justify the fact that they used to charge us for the OS updates. Since they stopped charging us, they have been slowly migrating towards smaller, more often updates. And this moving from annual to six months, which is what this feels like to me, is just a continuation of that trend. And I, for one, am 110% in favor of this trend. Well, I have heard podcasts argue the opposite, that okay. actually, because they're releasing stuff in smaller amounts, admittedly, but mm-hmm. because they're releasing it so regularly that, that actually it's putting more pressure on. <laughs> I don't, uh, just as a programmer and developer myself, I actually wouldn't agree with that. That doesn't jive with my experiences of reality, especially now that we, now that we live in a world of interconnected Effectively, everything's a cloud, right? All of our devices are just terminals for mm-hmm. the cloud. Yeah. And in that kind of a connected world, the only model that works, which is also what Microsoft are doing, right, with Office 365 and stuff, is a slowly, slowly everyone ticking forward in small incremental steps because you have to tick everything together. You can't leave something behind. If you're all, if everything is a window into the one cloud, well, then everything's got to move together because it's actually, it's all following the cloud. And that is where yes. we're going. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I agree. I mean, I love the fact that new bits of functionality shouldn't appear in my apps and 
Uh, Some people are really perturbed by this new reality, right? I mean, as you know, in 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 my line of work, we have you know we have young young students who love change, who are keen to get all the latest stuff, and we have academics close to retirement who think that change is the most evil thing since sliced bread. Um, and it it pains them, and you know, the move to Office three six five has not been good for these people's blood pressure. Because the simple fact like to, is... I wouldn't like to categorise it as... Or, I mean, I'm getting close to retirement, I hope. <laughs> oh, no, no, but I didn't say that everyone who is close to retirement is that way. But a lot of the people who are very anti-change... There are very few young people who are anti-change, but there are... True. The people who are anti-change tend to fall into a certain age bracket, but not everyone in that age bracket is even vaguely anti-change, right? They're yeah. not union. Those sets are not the same as each other. Yes, I agree. I, um, I think actually you could you could classify them as people who have got very used and are quite happy to what they're doing with what they've got. Yes. And then if something changes, that often is those people, and they can be young or old, that's like, why have they changed this? And they don't want that change. So, at, yeah. at, Excuse me one second. At the shareholders meeting, there was someone, a shareholder got up and complained because Apple keeps updating software. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine like, that I went like, over like a lead balloon. <laughs> it was, it was, I had to, you know, people had to keep themselves from laughing, you know, it was, it was hysterical, but yeah, just, so there are, there are those people out there. Yeah. yeah. And of all the companies to, to hitch your horse to, if that's your worldview, you could not do worse than Apple. Yeah. And Microsoft used to be the one place you could hitch your wagon, but you know something, even in Redmond, that like Red, you know. You can come in as an Office 365 customer. You can come in in the morning and find that you log into portal.office.com and everything is different to how it was yesterday. And that could happen any morning. And it, you know, usually it's not quite that dramatic, but you'll, you'll often hear conversations in the office. Has that button always been there? <laughs> and you're kind of going, no, actually. I'm delighted it's there because just three weeks ago, I really wanted the ability to, you know, widget your whatever. And, you know, these things appear, but people do sort of find themselves second guessing. It's like, am I going mad or did that not used to be possible? You know, it's like, no, no, you're not going mad. That wasn't possible yesterday. It's possible this morning. Um, that That is sort of the new reality. And I think you kind of have to go with it because naturally, personality wise, I'm quite conservative and I don't like change. But I've just sort of decided that I can either swim upstream and be perpetually cranky or I can just give up. And accept the fact that we live in a changing world and just go with it. And I'm a lot happier since I stopped trying to hold back the tide. Yeah. Yeah. And just one one more comment. Gazmez, if you were talking about the um, uh, the fact that iOS is being updated at the same time as Mac OS, I am wondering if those who have the – and I don't have it, but the uh, touch bar on the um, – uh, on the MacBook Pros, um, that contains elements, as I understand it, of iOS. So if they're doing something that's going to affect that, they may have some constraints there. They may have to update at the same time. Yeah, that's that, a, that's a wild guess. So, Well, it's, yeah, it's a very small part. That. It's a core of iOS, so I wouldn't... Uh, just... It has components, yeah, is what I said. I yeah, think. I so, mean, yeah. it's it's the kernel, it's if, you, if we can get nerdy. Um, okay, yep. Which is actually a proper computer science word, as well as being the middle of an apple, um, which is very appropriate. No, I actually know a little bit about that, believe it or not. So. Yeah, so, I mean, technically speaking, actually, everything apart from macOS shares the same kernel now. 
everything Apple make, apart from the Mac, shares the iOS kernel. Only the iOS kernel is actually from the OS X kernel. So actually, everything Apple makes. Yeah, lots of overlap. But doesn't the Touch Bar specifically have some elements of iOS in addition? At least I, no, that was my no, understanding. No, that's not quite. No, you see, what makes it a bit more iOS-like is that it is an A chip, not okay. an Intel chip. So, okay. But ultimately, it's actually the same operating system on all of them anyway at the core brain. But the difference right. is that what makes it different to the rest of the Mac is that it is... It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, ah, what's the name? Oh, this is going to drive me nuts now. How can I suddenly have forgotten the bloody name of the, the only Sorry. risk processor in the world that's, that's been in any way successful? Oh. ARM, thank you. It's an uh, ARM chip, not an Intel chip. Yes. Oh, we got yes. that. Uh, which is really unusual and makes people like, you know, immediately assume that the, the days of the Intel Mac are over and the world is ending and it'll be a disaster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there's rumors out there, of course, always. And I'm sure there's a lab somewhere where there is a Mac that mm-hmm. is based on an A12 yeah, or an A13 yeah, or something. Absolutely. It's definitely in a yeah. lab, but that doesn't mean we'll ever, ever see it. Anyone um, want to chime in with anything else before I move us into our last main topic? So the last main topic is kind of a collect-all, and I haven't really found a good name for this section because I, I I have been calling it the war on privacy, but I've decided I don't like this idea of comparing everything to a war. It's like we don't all have to be so militaristic. So for now, I've given it the title Privacy. Uh, if anyone has any suggestions for a better term, I don't want the battle on privacy because that's just war. I don't want the war on privacy because that is war. I say I'm open to suggestions, but anyway... Lots of stuff keeps happening related to privacy, and it continues to be, I think, the topic of our time, and this month has been no exception. So I'm just going to read through the stories, and then we can discuss them, because they're all so interrelated, we can't really just go through them one by one. So the FBI, quote, we don't want a backdoor, we just want to break into your encryption. So that's a meta quote. Um, That's translating what they said into English. Uh, The Justice Department are also pushing on that door. They want uh, a law to mandate an unlocking mechanism for iPhones, uh, and the DOJ is also joining in with that. Then we've had the release of a product called GreyKey, which is a software being sold to law enforcement, which appears to be able to break into some, into most iPhones in certain conditions. The exact parameters aren't clear because... Unless you are law enforcement, you don't even get the brochure, let alone the product. Um, But it certainly appears that if people set numeric pins and if you have enough time that even an iPhone 11 can be gotten into for an affordable price if you're the right person. Um, Then we have the passing of the Cloud Act. Um, The best reporting on it, because it's it's complicated American legal stuff, the best reporting is linked in the show notes is from Renny Ritchie on iMore. um, And then I have also linked to the EFF's critique. Uh, The basic principle here is that it's a mechanism for America to enter into bilateral arrangements with other countries where American law enforcement get to request data stored in the other country and law enforcement in the other country gets to request data stored in America. Um, sort of getting around the fact that the cloud keeps shifting our data around the place. And it's kind of one of those things where the big picture sounds fine, but the devil's in the detail. Um, Tim Cook has called for well-crafted regulation to protect privacy. I'm sure that has nothing to do with the Facebook kerfuffle. Uh, 
Tim Cook also said that Apple's customers are not its product, unlike Facebook, which, again, I'm sure has nothing to do with that kerfuffle. And then finally, genuinely has nothing to do with that kerfuffle, but everything to do with the Europeans' General Data Protection Regulation, or GDPR. Apple have basically announced how they're going to come into compliance with that act, because that act goes into law in sorry May. May. May, um, 25th of May, and Apple are going to finally join Facebook and Google in giving you the ability to download all of the data they have on you in a single zip file. And they are also going to provide a mechanism for you to correct any data about you that they have incorrect, which is a requirement of GDPR. And they're going to provide you with an easy interface for disabling and or deleting your Apple ID. And the good news is, although these features are coming to Europe first, everyone in the world is going to get them. So everyone gets to benefit from the pain us Europeans are going through at the moment. Is that, a, is that an EU regulation? Yes. And it is a regulation, not a directive. And if you're thinking, but they sound like synonyms, there's a very yeah. important difference between a, an EU directive and an EU regulation. Uh, so a directive is how everything was done in Europe in terms of privacy until May. And the way a directive works is the EU Commission tell each country that they must make laws to achieve a certain Ah. outcome, which means that in every country, the law is different because, yes, the directive is make it blah, blah, blah. But how you make blah, blah, blah happen is entirely up to each country. And so they all end up being different. A regulation is the same rule for everyone in the EU. And so privacy protection is moving from directives to a single Europe-wide regulation. And that's what's happening on May 25th. So the technically speaking, the UK, if it goes through with Brexit, if that gets finalized, would not be covered. Ah, Am I wrong? Ah, well, you, you're right and you're wrong. Okay, so this comes into effect okay, on May 25th, right. 2018. <laughs> I'm hearing gas. I hear gas. No, no. <laughs> this is easy to answer, right? So this comes into effect okay. on May 25th, 2018. The UK's uh-huh. exit date is March 2019. There is no doubt whatsoever this comes into effect in the UK. Now, as the negotiations stand at the moment, and they are by no means agreed to, the UK is going to enter a transition period until 2020. So that means that the GDPR is going to apply in Britain probably until 2020 at least. And realistically, if Britain want to continue to trade with Europe, they probably are just going to keep it. Yep. Okay. Good. Okay. I'm delighted to hear that it goes from Apple's perspective that it goes worldwide because that makes me very happy personally. And yeah. you're going to see that with other companies too. And uh, the way I analogize it is um, in America, there is absolutely positively no law anywhere that says that Californian emissions regulation have any effect outside of California, right? That is absolutely, yeah. there is no law that says yeah. that. However, from a practical point of view, California effectively sets the emissions rules for the country because they tend to be the most strict and they have a really big population of people who buy a lot of cars. And GDPR is like that because Europe as a whole, what is geographically much smaller than America, population-wise and economy-wise, they're very much on the same scale as each other. So from a world point of view, your choice is do GDPR or don't do business in Europe. Right. And Europe is big I- enough that everyone's just going to do GDPR. The, the the California emissions rules may not be a good comparison at this point in time because there is an effort afoot to eliminate Damn. that situation. And I'm just going to leave it at that because that takes us way too far off topic. Yes. 
But okay, you get yeah. the analogy though, right? Yeah. Assuming yeah. nothing changes. <laughs> Good. I hope. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. Um. So any any other thoughts? I guess at this stage, the fact that the Department of Justice and the FBI are continuing to push for back doors. It's not a surprise. Well, it's not a surprise to me. Is it a surprise to anyone? It's a disappointment. But not a surprise, yeah. is what I hear but from But not that. a surprise. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it seems that it doesn't matter how many people try and explain <laughs> that that's not a good <laughs> idea. <laughs> the, the, they'll keep saying, ah, but we think it is, so we're going to keep yeah. doing it. No, it's even so worse yeah. than that. It's like, no, no, but you guys are really smart. You'll figure it out. And it's like, no. Yeah. Right. No, you're asking us to make gravity go up. <laughs> Stop That's it. right. I was just about to say it's like sort of no, breaking no, no. the rules, physics yeah, rules it's, and it's, things. Yeah, it, it's, uh, yeah. The, the terminology backdoor just doesn't compute in their brains. Yeah. They, they, they literally, do, it, it does not compute. Yeah, that is the yeah. best way to describe it. it they don't get it. No, and no matter how, how often, like literally the leading lights in this stuff um, – testify in front of Congress in the most coherent and clear ways possible, which is not an easy thing to do, but I have seen the testimony. It most certainly has happened. It, it goes in one ear and out the other. Yeah. What, they've, what they've got confused with, you see, is people have started to mention keys, and they thought, well, they can just get another key cut. What's the problem? Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, we it's a pity we'll people have such lock. short memory. Yeah. Well, because we've yeah. been down this road in the Clinton administration. And that caused security vulnerabilities up until like a year or two ago where we had problems coming out in the intentionally weakened ciphers under the export. Basically, Bill Clinton decided to regulate encryption as if it was a bazooka. Uh, they literally <laughs> used um, dro- or anti-weapons laws regulating the trading of weapons across borders to regulate encryption that crosses national boundaries, and they enforced weak encryption. And that continued to ricochet around, causing security nightmares for decades afterwards. That was a terribly stupid idea. And that's that's not even a backdoor. That's like an intentionally weak area of the wall. And now we're just talking about, no, just knock through a door. So it's... Ah. There, there are some legislators, though, who you wouldn't expect to get it and do. Yes. And we- so... Yeah, Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, Senator, is um, the specific guy I have in mind when I say that. So as long as those folks are around, these people are going to continue pushing and they're going to continually be told no. Yes. Is what I expect to happen. Or and the other thing you have is there have been senators who have been on the right side of this issue always, like Ron White. Right. I can't remember right. where he's from. Or Oregon, I think. That sounds yeah. plausible, yeah. So, like, if you if you watch what he's been doing, he has been on the right side of privacy, security, tech, basically. I mean, I don't know what he's like on other issues because he only crosses my radar on the tech issue. But on the tech right. issue, he has been fighting the good fight for many, many years now. And as long as people like that are in the Senate, particularly the Senate, of course, we have this concept of a veto. Right. You know, at, sorry, a secret hold. Basically means any senator can basically say, I say no. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, so that that will continue. I'm I'm interested in this gray key Aha. story. Okay. Um, and the article, you know, I did read the article mm-hmm. and the article basically talks about the possibility of the device itself getting out. And um, now the, the, you have to have physical possession of the phone. Yes. As I understand it. 
Um, but that's that's an issue. Do you want to comment yeah, okay. more on so, that? Yeah, okay. So to some extent, uh, we have to. I have to put a little disclaimer here and say that no one has basically come out and said, here's what our device does. What we have is secondhand reporting of their sales brochure which means that inevitably there's a certain amount of uh, let's talk up one side of things and let's omit a whole bunch of stuff, right? A sales brochure is not uh, an honest evaluation. But the second piece of information we have is one leaked first-hand description of the device in use. And so what it appears to be is that someone has found a mechanism to prevent the self-destruct. So in theory, when you get the password wrong 10 times, the iPhone will wipe itself if it's been configured to do so. And what that provides you with is protection from brute forcing. So you can't just keep trying forever. And it appears that that brute forcing protection has been removed, but only the brute forcing protection, which is why the device takes, you know, a day or two to break a four-digit password. Sorry, a few hours to break a four-digit password, a few days to break a six-digit password, and has extremely mixed results when people enable complex passwords, because if it's actually a strong password, you will need the age of the universe, whereas if it's a really dumb password like monkey or something, you will need very little time indeed. So as best as we can tell, someone has found a way to stop the phone self-destructing, and so they're getting to do brute force, which means that the security of the iPhone as it stands right now, the second, appears to have been reduced to the strength of your password. So if you're someone who is important enough that cyber espionage, you know, industrial espionage is potentially an issue or worse still, actual state actors may need or may feel you're of value to them, then you need a strong password because it's the strength of your password that's protecting you, not the fact that you have an iPhone, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. Um, So it's not that the sky is falling. But there is definitely something afoot in the wind. And because this is all being kept, I mean, these, this device is being very intentionally kept back. Now, the day, right, so the obvious thing is, oh, my God, but if this gets out, we're all doomed. But no, because right. if this gets out, then Apple get it too. And they can really easily fix the problem uh. because they'll know what's wrong. So it getting out would actually be the best possible <clears throat> thing to happen because then it could be fixed. Good point. So now the company's got a problem because they've got to try and make sure they keep it secret, of course. Yeah. And Apple are the strongest people right now trying to figure out what it is they've done so that Apple can fix it. So, yeah, it's an interesting, it's a weird situation because it's not like you might expect because you would expect if it gets out, we're doomed. But actually, if it gets out, we're saved. Yeah. Right, right. I wonder how much the holding company for Grayshift's stock shares went up for a short time. I think it's privately held. Is it? It's privately oh. held, I think. I'm almost positive that that was in the article. It's like, yes. look, oh, it it's is, not yes. owned. Yeah. Yeah, Looking yeah. for a buyer, then. The, this this <laughs> is the go. second company, by the way, to be offering this kind of service. Celebrite have a similar service. And in Celebrite's yes. case, their yeah. sales brochure is public. So last month, we were able to talk about Celebrite. Again, all we knew is what their claims were. Uh, but if you take the Celebrite information and combine it with the grey key information, the picture that emerges is prevention of self-destruct reducing the security to brute force attacks becoming possible again. Okay. All right. Good. Thank you. My pleasure. It, I, it's just made me think of, um, you know, p- people turning up at um, Grey Key's front door and actually saying, um, yeah, I'm here to fix the uh, plumbing. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I'm a plumbing uh, plumbing genius. Uh, um, uh, sorry, employee. <laughs> Very good. Nice. <laughs> 
Well, wasn't it Xerox who basically installed spying devices all over the Soviet Union? No, all over Russia, Russian embassies in America during the Cold War because they needed photocopiers and so the American government got Xerox to come oh, and install. Oh, right, I've not heard that story. Yeah, yeah no, that, that was... A, now, we're talking way back in the Cold War sort of era. Because, you know, what, where do you put all of your secret documents and expect a bright light to come on? A photocopier. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite genius. Anyway... Uh, let's wrap out the show with a few quick stories that are not worthy of a, an in-depth discussion, but are nonetheless should be mentioned for future reference, a lot of these. Um, Apple have a thing they do every year where they issue a supplier responsibility report, and they have yet again done so this month. Uh, I think the main job of this report is to keep Apple honest, and it seems to be doing that. It, you know, it's not spectacular, it's not earth-shattering, but it is really good that Apple every year opened the kimono for a bit and let us all see that while they're not perfect, they are doing, they are working towards making things better. Anyone feel particularly strongly about this uh, supplier responsibility report? I, I, I think it's brilliant that they do it, and I think more companies should do it. It You know, it, it puts the ethics behind the ethics that people say that they're carrying out. Yeah, can't. Yeah, that that pretty much sums up my view as well. Um, Bloomberg have discovered that Apple have a secret plant in Santa Clara uh, that is working on manufacturing micro LED panels. Now these are really really cool screens for small things. Um, you can't make a micro LED panel for a Mac. Uh, you may or may not be able to scale it up to the size of an iPhone. But the single, at the present, the device Apple make that would benefit the most from a micro LED would be the Apple Watch. Because for an Apple Watch device, it would be even better than the OLED displays they're using at the moment, which are pretty darn impressive panels. Uh, it would appear that this factory is currently not making anything for reals. They're, they're very much in the ramping up stage where they're trying to figure out what they can manufacture by the looks of things. But that does hint that we may have some nice new screens coming to our itty bitty teeny weeny devices in the future. And better battery is evidently these. Uh, what I've from what I've heard, the micro LEDs um, use less power. Yes, yeah, so, so we would have. You get a brighter, yeah. nicer display that's more battery efficient. Which, if if you're thinking, where would that be at its most useful? Uh, watch would leap to mind, wouldn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Especially for those of us that have to wear the smaller watches. Ah, yes, indeed. Yeah, because I'm used to the luxury of the 42 millimeter. Yeah. I nearly said 42 yes. inch. Jesus, that would be quite the wrist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the 42 would fall off. I, I'm not but sure anyway. I could lift my arm with a 42 inch watch. Yeah. You, wouldn't have, you wouldn't have to worry about battery life then. But That's true. I'd look like Captain America, actually. That's what I'd yeah. look like with a yeah. giant shield on my arm. Anyway. Uh, Apple have struck another deal with IBM to provide integration between Core ML, which is basically their API for AI stuff that's in Apple's operating systems, and the API for IBM's Watson, sorry, not Watson, Watson AI service. Uh, everyone knows it because it played Jeopardy, but it's actually powering an awful, awful lot of real AI in the real world. If you're talking to an automated phone somewhere, it's probably got Watson for a brain, which probably doesn't make you like Watson anymore. Um, <laughs> but it is powerful. Fun. Yeah, it's funny that you, you put this in, Bart, because earlier when we talked about uh, the education market and mm. then, you know, suddenly having to play catch up, that's one thing that since they 
took a stance at, uh, at starting to enter the business area more professionally, let's put it. Mm. I've seen a drip, 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 drip of Apple doing stuff in uh, the mm. enterprise world. And, and that's Tim Cook's Apple one. very much yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Apple have also signed an agreement to buy Texture, which I've seen best summed up as the Netflix of magazines. As is always the case when Apple buys something, they, they're not telling us why. They're just, yeah, yeah, we bought that. Yeah, we'll, we'll do something with it. So I think the other shoe is very much to drop on this, which is why it's in quick stories, because I'm hoping at some stage we can have a really cool discussion about how Apple News doesn't suck anymore. Um, huh. But that is not today. Um, all we know is they have bought it. Apple have also introduced a new families web page, and I think this is in response to some of the stuff that was released in the shareholder meeting uh, last month or the month before last. Uh, but basically, this is a web page helping parents to keep their kids safe while they're using Apple's computing devices, and it just seems like a good thing for Apple to do. Apple have submitted a proposal to the Unicode Consortium, which sounds really boring because Unicode is really deep, nerdy stuff. But one of the bizarre things in this world is that the Unicode Consortium of Nerds are responsible for defining which emoji exists. And so if you would like to make a new emoji, you have to make a presentation to the Unicode Consortium. Apple have done so, and the emoji they are presenting are emoji for accessibility. So a person with a guide dog, a person with a hearing aid, um, that kind of thing. It's a, a suite of accessibility-related emoji. So I just think it's great to see Apple thinking, oh, here's a gap, let us let let us fill it. So I'm happy about that. Uh, and for everyone who is having envy of the black keyboards and trackpads and stuff that came with the uber-cool iMac Pro, you can now buy just the grey peripherals on their own, if you'd like. And I guess <laughs> you take a Sharpie to your iMac and make it black too. That's a good reason not to go to the store and look at them because it will cost me money. Yeah, I, I am very much a space gray person. My iPhones are space gray. My um my Mac uh, my MacBook is space gray. Yeah, you're right. But there's no yeah. there's no Apple Store here, so problem solved. <laughs> you're safe. Exactly. Uh, then second from finally, we just have a group of stories about what Apple's competitors are up to. Um, Amazon is dipping its toe into the wear- into the wearables market with a seventy nine dollar uh, fitness tracker called the Amsfit Bip. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> That's a terrible name. It's a horrific name. We shall see how it does in the market. Uh, hopefully, it's not a fire phone. Uh, Fitbit I can OS see a lawsuit coming on. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Fitbit uh, OS 2 has rolled out, making the new Fitbit Ionic a lot more um, powerful. So people who have a Fitbit Ionic are saying it's a really nice upgrade. So that is a good thing for owners of those devices. Google is trying its hand at competing with the iPad directly by creating its first Chrome OS tablet. Pricing is very, very similar to Apple. So if you're thinking, oh, great, this will be a really cheap device to compete against Apple in education. Nope. Pretty much the same price point that Apple is in. So maybe that's how much it costs to make a really nice touchscreen display. Uh, President Trump has blocked Broadcom's bid to buy Qualcomm on national security grounds. Uh, that is a big deal for Qualcomm um, but and for Broadcom. On the whole, my personal opinion is it's probably good for the industry that those two giants haven't squished themselves together. But I guess we shall see. Uh, Foxconn have bought Belkin, which has left a lot of people, me included, scratching their heads. But 
it is what it is. Actually, Linda, do you, do you have a, an opinion on this quickly? This is sort of much more your bailiwick than mine. I don't know what to make of it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't have. <laughs> yeah, because it, it seems um, it seems odd to me in a way. But um, yeah, I, 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 it's one of those where I think we're just going to have to wait and see what happens and how well they execute. Because Belkin um, has, you know, some pretty avid fans, as long as yeah. a couple, as well as a couple of detractors that I know of people who have used their devices. But yeah, maybe and Foxconn. Um, I think people forget this sometimes. Foxconn is Taiwan based mm-hmm. in terms of their ownership, not China based, and that makes a difference. I think so. Well, unless you're Chinese, in which case you insist it's the same. But let's not go right there. exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but <laughs> from from. Um, the EU and the American perspective, those are different. So, Very yeah. different, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, to wrap up the show, save the date, folks. WWDC 2018 will run June 4th to June 8th, and it is back in San Jose, where everyone seemed to like it better than uh, San Fran. So um, the lottery has been held. If you'd like to go and you didn't win the lottery, tough. You're not going. Or you can go. You're just not getting in. Um, and mm-hmm. all of us, I guess, are looking forward to a keynote on the first day, and I'm sure that will provide us with plenty of fodder for the June 2018 edition of this show. Panel, thank you ever so much for sharing your Monday evening with us. Um, in reverse order, Linda, thank you for joining us. Uh, where can people find you online, and would you please be so kind as to plug the SV mug? Silicon Valley Mac Users Group. Oh, which reminds me, um, we didn't get into it, but I, I, I want to make another plug. Okay. Um, the Silicon Valley Mac User Group was lucky enough to get a presenter who presented to us at three o'clock in the morning, Switzerland time. Wow. Um, and it was amazing software. I and love those guys. Some, they, that, that app, I was really impressed with it. I'm still beginning to play with it i don't feel like i know it yet but they really did an excellent job and i just i wanted to give them a plug we are lucky enough to get um we have the ability to to do remote presentations and that it was three o'clock in the morning switzerland time as i said so i was amazed that he was willing to do that but so so we have some really good presenters for anybody who's in the area um and as for me personally um on twitter llg the number four c d g and um, that's me and Silicon Valley uh, org. So if folks want to check our site. Excellent. So. Gaz, would you like to uh, let people know where they can find you and uh, have a wee plug there, that podcast you do? Yes, ever so easy. Um, send an email to gaz at mymac.com. And the MyMac bit is the MyMac podcast that I do with Guy Searle. You can also contact uh, me and Guy on the Twitters by twitter.com forward slash Guy and Gaz, G-U-Y-A-N-D-G-A-Z. We do a weekly show. We're now at 7.01. There's no more countdown. Well, until the next big countdown. No, you're counting at 800, surely. Yeah, well, no. Actually, no, it's a number. I think it's going to be something like... I can't remember what the number is exactly, but Guy's already got our 500th show coming up. Because, oh, obviously, the MyMax has been going over, under 700. Yeah. Yes, yes. We took over something like 285 or something. So he's, he's counting down before 800. Of course. Ah. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Guys like we like we like just one away. 
<laughs> well, congratulations. You know, show 700. It's pretty good. I'll be damned impressed if my monthly show makes it to 700. <laughs> Mainly at the I, I, medical miracle of my still being yeah. alive. <laughs> well, I don't know. You know, using Apple Watch and all the stuff that goes on now. Anyway. Keep exercising. Yeah. Well, that'll certainly make it slightly more plausible that I love the last one show 700 and something. But anyway, uh, and we should just say that uh, this show is a member of the same podcasting network as Gaza Show, which is unsurprisingly the MyMac Podcasting Network. And if you want to hear what Guy and Gaz sound like, stay tuned for one of their zany bumpers about 40 seconds from now-ish. Um, I've no idea which one I'll play, but it'll be funny. That I can promise. <laughs> Uh, Nick, would you like to tell the good listeners where they can uh, find more of your musings and contributions, etc.? Well, I don't do much musing and contributing, actually. Uh, but you can find, occasionally, I, I put something on Twitter. So you can find me at Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Thank you very much, Nick. Um, you will find show notes for this show at lets-talk.ie. I have links there to all of the stories that informed my thinking on uh, March's Apple News. And uh, there's also some buttons there to support the show. You can become a patron on Patreon, which is the single most effective way to support the show. And um, my hat's off to all of the Patreon supporters. I say it every month, but it, that's because it's true. You guys literally make it possible for me to continue to do this show so without you, it wouldn't exist. Because of you, it does. So thank you. Uh, you can also support the show by making a one-off donation using PayPal. Everyone who has done so, it is very much appreciated. While the Patreon is a superb way of me keeping the lights on, the um, PayPal donations are what I use for the non-recurring expenses, like upgrading my software suite from time to time, buying new microphones mm-hmm. from time to time. I am currently speaking into a really, really convenient boom mic, which I would not have been able to buy without the help I have gotten through that PayPal button. So if you clicked on that PayPal button, I think of you every time I just adjust the mic. And it's like it's floating in front of my face because it's on a really nice boom stand now. Um, So thank you all. And all of you can support the show through the simple act of telling your friends. And that actually really, really helps. Spreading the word is a superb way of helping the show. And, you know, going to iTunes and giving us a five-star review, that certainly doesn't hurt, and I certainly won't object to anyone who chooses to do that. Anyway, I've rattled on long enough. you find the show notes at lets-talk.ie. I've been your host, Bart Bouchot, so you can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Five, four, three, two, one. And we are go. Go? Wait. Go where? The commercial, Guy. We're recording a commercial for the MyMac.com podcast. Ah, so we're recording the podcast now. Well, no, not now. At the moment, we're recording this commercial. So when do we go? Go where? I don't know. You started this whole go thing. The G-Men on the MyMac.com podcast. We have no idea what we'll say next.